So welcome, if you're a guest here, my name's Mark, one of the pastors, and we're really excited that you're here, and we're in the middle of a series on the Apostles' Creed, and it really kind of gives us the big rocks of what we believe as Christ followers, what uh, Christ followers for centuries have believed as the essentials of our faith. And to get into today's message on the Holy Spirit, I want to just share a story that a bunch of us heard as uh, we took in the Global Leadership Summit hosted by uh, Willow Creek Association and Bill Hybels, and he opened the summit giving us a leadership challenge, and within the challenge, he tells a story, and the story was very familiar for me, having been a pastor for over 30 years. He talks about a guy who wanted to get together with him, a man who's been extremely successful. I mean, he has just killed it in terms of his career. But he's at this point in his career as he's looking back and reflecting on the legacy that he's leaving and he realizes he's just got a boatload of regrets. Because although he has achieved great success in terms of his career, what hasn't happened has been close relationships with his wife and with his kids. And he comes to Bill to talk about it. And and he's looking for a do-over. Do you know that phrase, a do-over? You, do you remember using that as a kid, like when you want another crack, yeah, I, want, I want a do-over. Or, or in golf, we look at our friend and say, now, are we giving each other mulligans? Because a mulligan is a beautiful thing if you're a lousy golfer like me. You, you know, it gives you a chance after you've just scolded, which means you really mishit the ball and it went like three feet in front of you. Or you duck-hooked it across the road or buried it into the woods or the weeds or into a pond. That the mulligan is as, as if you'd never hit that shot. It doesn't count against you, and you just take another ball out of your pocket, you re-tee it, and on we go like it never happened. And we're looking for those things in life. This man is looking for a mulligan. He wants a do-over. And what I've noticed is people will do anything for a fresh start. Do you know anybody's ever changed their name for a fresh start? I do. Do you know anybody's ever changed locations? Yes, I, I've met people like, I want to go somewhere where nobody knows me. Some people have transferred to a new school. Parents have taken their kids into a new school for a new start. We've, we've changed uh, vocations. We've changed our looks. Some people have changed their, their families. Like they get a new spouse because I want a fresh start. A new family, I want a fresh start. People go to extreme lengths for a fresh start. And you don't have to be in your 60s or 50s looking back with regret to want a fresh start. You could be here on a Sunday morning and go, dude, I wish I had a do-over for this week. Man, I wish I had a do-over. Well, the great thing about the gospel is through Christ and his spirit applying the work of Christ, bringing Christ's presence into our lives, the spirit does, He offers us a fresh start in life and each and every day of our lives. And that's what we want to talk about. So anybody here wanting a fresh start, needing a fresh start, needing to be renewed, because right now you're just flat. So let's get into the spirit. We want to ask three questions. The first is, so who is the spirit? Who he he isn't, what he isn't, and then who he is. And then what is the unique role that the spirit plays And then third, we want to talk about, so what does it mean for us when we affirm, as we're going to in a second here, our faith that we believe in the Holy Spirit, which is more than intellectual assent. What does it mean actually to rely on the Spirit, or as the Bible talks it, walk in step, keep in step with the Spirit? What does that look like? 
So you ready? Let's affirm our faith again through the words of the Apostles' Creed. So it goes like this. Christian, what do you believe? Here's what we believe. I believe in God. So you're going to do this with me, right? All right, here we go. Uh, Christian, what do you believe? I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. That slide up here, and I want you to see, when we get to this third section, the first section was a very short section. Father, right, maker of heaven and earth. The second section, the middle section, is the longest, because Christ is at the center of our faith. We talk about his birth, we talk about his life, we talk about his death, we affirm that not only was he crucified in our place for our sins, but he rose from the dead, and he's coming back as judge, rightful ruler over all things. And now we come to the section on the Spirit. And I want you to notice that that the Spirit follows Christ in the creed because in a sense, the Spirit takes the work of Christ and now applies it to our life. So all these new things are happening. It's the Spirit applying the work of Christ, his death on the cross for me, that makes me enjoy a new family of relationships, God's family. We're now part of his church and we have relationship with what the Bible calls saints, not because we never sin against, but because we've been set apart by God and actually because our faith is in Christ the Holy One, God actually sees Christ as he looks at us. We have new relationships in the church with those who love God, the fellowship of God's people, relationships as brothers and sisters in this family. And we have these new relationships with each other because we have a new relationship with God. Through Christ, the Spirit brings forgiveness so that we're cleansed of all the stuff that separated us from a holy God. So we have new relationships with each other in the church because we have a new relationship with the Father through Christ. And that new relationship makes a difference every day as we think about today and the future, the hope of resurrection. Man, I hope you have that especially for anybody who's over 30 and the body's starting to remind you that this body is not gonna last. This thing is breaking down. This thing is broken at places. And it says, remember, oh, that's a good reminder. This body isn't gonna last. I am not living in heaven. There is a better day. There's a resurrection day. There's a better day that's not gonna be a day. It's gonna be eternity. And that day of eternity and enjoying God and all the fullness of God starts today. And it's the spirit That's the hinge point of the work of Christ then to all the things that we enjoy through Christ, or as the scriptures will say, all the pleasures of God that are ours through Christ, the one who's at his right hand. So the three questions. The first is, who is a spirit? Let's talk about who he's not. So first of all, the spirit is not some kind of impersonal force. Think Star Wars. Luke. The force is with, like, what is that force? The spirit is not this impersonal force, this kind of divine vibe that we need to kind of somehow connect with. It's very personal. 
When Jesus talks about the spirit, he refers to the spirit as a person. So we read in John chapter 14, verse 16 and 17. And I'll ask the Father, and he'll give you another helper. In other words, Jesus is saying, I'm a helper from the Father. There's another one coming to be with you forever. Jesus just said at the beginning of chapter 14, I'm going to go away. I'm going to come back. I'm preparing a place for you. But now this spirit, this another helper is going to come. He's going to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, you know him, for he, not it, dwells with you. He will be in you, right? So it's not in personal force. There's a second thing. He's not a created being. Like, oh, the spirit must be like one of these must be like the first angel, the super angel. No, the spirit has been around before time. He's there before creation. Genesis 1-2 tells us. Hebrews 9 verse 14 says, he is the eternal spirit who has no beginning, no end. So he's not created. So who is the spirit? Well, he's God. He's not this impersonal force with us. He is God in us through the spirit. It's the spirit that the Father has given us. It's the spirit that the Son has given us. It's Christ's spirit in us, this gift from God, this gift from the Son in us. That's why our body is called the temple of the Holy Spirit. And it also says our body is the temple of God because the spirit is God. Jesus understood that the spirit is fully God. That's why he said, when you make disciples of me, you go baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son, right? Is that what he said? I don't know what he said. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Jesus understood that the Spirit was fully God. He said that he's fully God. I and the Father are one, John 10, 30. And he's saying, look, the Spirit with the Father and me. We're all God. One God, three persons, distinct, yet all, each of them, Fully God, they get the full glory, and it's a mystery. It's the Trinity. The, the Spirit shares the attributes of God. He's eternal. He knows all things. He's the creator. He's everywhere present. He's the power that raises Jesus from the dead. That's who the Spirit is. The Spirit is God, the third person of the Trinity. So, so what, what does the Spirit do? I was just talking to someone before the service, and we were just reflecting on, I, I don't know if I've ever heard a sermon on the Spirit. I think there's a, there's a lot of misunderstandings. There's a lot of people that have different views, and so it just seems like we don't always talk about it, and it's really good for us to catch up with who the Spirit is, this third person of the Trinity, and what is the role? What is this unique? Because there's unique roles that the Father has, there's unique roles that the Son has, and there's unique roles that the Spirit has. And, and this is good for us to catch up because as we understand the unique role of the Spirit, man, it is gonna drive us to being people who wanna keep in step with the Spirit every day, to be filled with the Spirit because this Holy Spirit is not some kind of scary ghost. This is Christ's Spirit in us for our good. So we wanna catch up with that. So when you think about the role of spirit, let's do a quick exercise of just chasing where the, where the spirit shows up in the biblical storyline. 
So you take the storyline of the Bible, and the first place you run into the Spirit is in Genesis 1, verse 2. And what we understand is the Spirit is present and active in creation and in giving life. So the Spirit is hovering over the waters, the face of the deep, and the psalmist recognized that in Psalm 104, that the Spirit is right there in the creation of all of God's creatures. <coughs> the, the psalmist says, how many are your works, Lord? In wisdom you made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. And he goes on to talk about all the creatures. And then in verse 30, when you send your spirit, they are created. So when God speaks, his word, John chapter one, Christ is part of creation. When God speaks, when you and I speak, I'm speaking right now, and what's coming out of my mouth? Not just words, but what? Breath. Breath, spirit, wind, same word in the Bible, same word. So when God breathes into Adam in chapter two, verse seven, and Adam becomes a living being, remember he takes and forms Adam out of the ground, out of the dirt. Think sandcastle, someone sculpting. And then it says God breathed in him. That was the spirit coming from Christ, from God the Father who brings life to Adam so he's a living being. He has a living soul. That's the spirit. So Genesis reminds us that the spirit gives life. Think spirit, think life. We start following the storyline of the Bible. Next thing we find out, that the spirit is given to special people for special jobs. So the first two people that receive the spirit in the Old Testament are two guys. You've probably never heard of them. Bezalel and Aholiah. Aholiab, we call him B-N-O. Not B-O, but B-N-O. All right, so why do they get the Spirit? And by the way, in, this, in the Old Testament, what we're gonna see is the Spirit comes at special times for special purposes on special people. The Spirit is not in everyone. The Spirit is active in the whole world. The Spirit is giving faith to someone like Abraham to believe and it's credited to him as righteousness. So it's not like the Spirit isn't active in everybody's life, but he's not in. He's not in everybody's life. So for, let's go back to Bezalel and Holiah, B and O, right? So why were they given the Spirit? Because they had a special job. What was the job? They were set apart by God to build God's house, this tabernacle, this kind of uh, structure, almost like a tent that could be set up and taken down and, and reestablished in another location. They were given the Spirit. And with the Spirit, the text says in um, Exodus chapter 31 that they would be given wisdom, understanding, knowledge, and skill to do this design build. They receive the Spirit. Moses, the elders with Moses got the Spirit. Joshua gets the Spirit. Judges, certain leaders to rescue God's people, given the Spirit. Kings like Saul, given the Spirit. But Saul loses the Spirit. David cries that God wouldn't take his Spirit from him. Restore the joy of my salvation after he sins with Bathsheba. He has the Spirit. The Old Testament talks about the Messiah, this anointed coming king. He's gonna have the spirit. Isaiah speaks of that. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me in Isaiah 61 because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, release for dark from darkness for the prisoners. And Jesus, the Messiah, quotes that very verse. The spirit's on me to do these things. So at creation, 
at special times on special people for special purposes. And then there's this promise. Ah, one day though, the spirit is gonna come. God is gonna send his spirit and he is gonna live in all of God's people. So listen to this promise of the new covenant. Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26. God says, I'll give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I'll remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh, a heart that's just resistant to me, God says. And I'll put my spirit in you and move you through my spirit to follow my decrees, to obey me, to be careful to keep my laws. So the Holy Spirit, as we go through it, is there in creation, special times, special people for special purposes. And then we see the promise. It's coming, the Spirit's coming. Now, we, now, now the story goes to Jesus. Jesus shows up in the Gospels and we find out Jesus' miraculous birth comes from the Spirit. So Joseph, he knows he's not the dad. He's thinking maybe there's another dad, but the angel Gabriel says, no, it's not another guy. Your fiance Mary is pregnant and this baby is from God's Spirit, conceived by the Holy Spirit. Jesus said at the beginning of his ministry that he was not only born of the Spirit, but actually that he was filled with the Spirit. Remember at the baptism? The voice from heaven, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. And then it says, there was as, as if, meaning, I don't know what it was. Kind of looked like a dove. Came down. This is the symbol of the Spirit resting now on this Messiah. Connect back to Isaiah 61 to come and bring freedom, Right? to bring the year of the Lord's favor, jubilee, new start, new life, God's kingdom. So he, he says himself, he's being led. The spirit of the Lord is on me, he says. Uh, and, and he's led by the spirit. So right after the baptism, the spirit leads him into the wilderness, Matthew chapter four, verse one. He's led into hard places by the spirit. Sometimes the spirit will lead you into a hard place. The spirit will do that for God's glory and our good. Maybe you're in a hard place going, that can't be God. Sometimes God does that. He led Jesus into the wilderness where he's tempted by the enemy and he led him every day of his life, every day of his life for the people that he healed, the people who he didn't heal, the, pe- the messages that he gave, the, the talks with his disciples, the miracles, all that, the spirit leading him all the way to the cross. And then Romans 8, 11 says, not only lead him to the cross, but he took him out of the grave. That's the spirit. The spirit's power sprung Christ from the grave, Romans 8, 11. And then we pick up with this, that at the very end of Jesus' time here on this earth, after the resurrection, right? Before he ascends into heaven, it says this in John 20, 22. And with that, he breathed on them and said, this is the context here is the 11 disciples. Judas, he's out of the picture. Receive the Holy Spirit. And they did. They received the Spirit, this promised helper that Jesus has been talking to them about in chapter 14 and chapter 16. And then after a few days, not only the 11 received the Spirit, but the 120 received God's Spirit. And that Spirit changed things. Think of a guy like Peter. So before Jesus dies, like in his greatest trial... 
Peter is right there by Jesus' side. I mean, he's in the courtyard. Jesus is in the building. They can actually see each other, the text says. Jesus could look through the doorway, the window, whatever it was, and see, G see Peter. And Peter is standing by the fire, and he's freaked out because they've just taken Jesus away, religious leaders, with their guards, and they've got power, and, and, and they're going to exert it, and he's afraid that something bad is going to happen to Jesus and through association to him. And so when this little servant girl around the fire says, I think you're one of Jesus' guys, aren't you? He says, no, 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 no. Three times, three times, he denies that he has any part with Jesus. And then the rooster crows, and what happens? He wept, he wept bitterly and runs out of the court. He, he was just a colossal failure. He was so afraid to stand up for Jesus in this kind of moment of, of privacy and obscurity where the stakes didn't seem to appear very big at all. And then the spirit comes into his life. And next thing we know, he's standing before the crowds in Jerusalem telling him on that day of Pentecost when the spirit comes on the 120, look, What's happened here is these guys didn't drink too much last night. The Spirit's come. He starts preaching, and he testifies for Christ and calls people to follow Christ. Power of the Christ, of the Spirit of Christ, transforming these men. And the people who didn't like him would say of these guys, man, they, they, didn't go to, they didn't go to university. But, man, they're turning the world upside down. So the power. And as we catch up with Jesus' teaching and then the apostles' teaching on the Spirit, we shouldn't be surprised that there's parallels from the work of the Spirit in the Old Testament to the work in the New. So we start in the Bible story. The Spirit is all about giving life, physical life. Then in the New Testament, what we find out is the Spirit gives spiritual life. That's what Jesus is talking about. There's this guy named Nicodemus. We'll call him Nick. Nick comes to see Jesus. He's a religious leader. He comes to him and he says, look, I, I want to know if I'm, if I'm going to heaven. I, I want to know how to get into the kingdom of, of God kingdom of heaven and Jesus says well you, you got to be born again and Nick goes that's impossible and Jesus goes good you're getting it Nick you can't do it God can only do it and the way you are born again is not by entering into your mother's womb which you say is impossible I agree with you that's impossible but it's the spirit that gives new life the spirit gives us spiritual life if you are a follower of Christ if your heart is alive to God, that you have desires to honor God with your life, to grow to be more like Christ, that all happened through the Spirit. And he took a heart of stone that was flatlined dead spiritually and he animated it, just like the Spirit animated the form in the garden and the figure became a living soul. He gives us life. He grants us faith. He forgives us of our sins. He gives us life, and he renews life. That's what the scriptures talk about consistently. It's not just Jesus and Nicodemus in John 3. In Titus 3, we read this, the Apostle Paul writing, but when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us not because of righteous things we've done. That's religion. But because of his mercy, that's why we're saved. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, not by our good works, who he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior. And here's what happens. When the Spirit comes into your life, you could be six today, you could be 16 or 66. 
The Bible says God's spirit bears testimony with our spirit that we belong to God, that we're in a relationship with God. And he assures us of that. And that's profound. It was profound for me as a six-year-old. When I, I say this all the time, my relationship with God was as real as any relationship that I had as a six-year-old boy. Why was that? Because of the Spirit. The Spirit gives life. He assures us that we have this new life. And then the question is, so when do we get that? Because there's confusion. And this is one of the big confusions about the role of the Spirit in a believer's life. There are people who say, well, you come to a faith, place of faith and conversion, and then subsequent to that, you've you got to get the Spirit you got to get baptized in the Spirit. Well, if you read the book of Acts, that's pretty much what it looks like. It looks like people believed, but they didn't get the Spirit right away, but then they got the Spirit. So what's going on here? Well, here's the tricky thing about the book of Acts you don't ever want to forget. It's a unique place in the history of God's saving purposes. So we're moving from the Old Testament to the New Testament. What does that mean? Well, we're, we're moving from God's spirit being with his people to God's spirit, spirit being in his people. We're moving to God's purposes, moving in the Jews, then through the Jews, so that we understand that when God was saying to the Jews way back in, the, in, in Old Testament times, I want you to be a light to the Gentiles, now it's starting to happen. When he said to Abraham, I want you to understand that I'm gonna bless you and through you, all the families, all of them are gonna be blessed. That's what's starting to happen. As the gospel goes out through the witness of the apostles from places like Jerusalem and then out to Judea, which would be like Madison to Wisconsin, to Samaria, the hated half-breeds, that's probably Chicago, and then the other parts of the world, all right? So we gotta understand what's unfolding here is like for the first time. God's spirit is going in his is now resident in his people. God's program is not just including the Jews, but it's including people in Samaria. These are like the hated half-breeds. They got some Jewish blood and they got a lot of pagan blood and they needed to know that God loved those people too, that his program was going out to the Gentiles. And so the unique occurrences of this kind of subsequent filling of the spirit was for the disciples to understand. It's true. God loves the world. He is saving a people to himself from all the nations. And so when we read that, it's describing God's unfolding plan. But what's normative is what we read throughout the rest of the New Testament. And that is that the spirit comes into the life of the believer at the point that they believe, which was given by God. So Ephesians 1 makes it super clear. Verse 13. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth. What is that message? The gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. When was it? When we what? Believed. We heard it, we believed it. And once we believed it, boom, we're marked. It's like God took the Sharpie out, mine. And it's the spirit in us that's marked our lives. With the seal, the promised spirit, who's a deposit. It's like earnest money. It's a down payment. There's more to come. So we have this relationship with God mediated by the spirit of Christ who's in us. It's awesome. It's unbelievable. But there's even more to come. The more to come is eyes of faith for eternity beholding the beauty of God, the glory of Christ. He's the deposit guaranteeing our inheritance 
until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. So, the Spirit, he's all about life. He's all about renewing life. And some of us don't have that. We don't have spiritual life. We're thinking maybe that you get that spiritual life by by doing things. It's not about doing things. It's about the mercy of God and responding to God's grace to us in Christ. And as we believe and the Spirit even grants us the faith to believe, it changes everything. It changes everything. It gives us life. Do you have that? Do you need that renewal of life right now? That's the work of the Spirit. When Jesus talks about the Spirit, he kind of wraps it all up into this one package. He's our helper. Sometimes it's described, he's our advocate. So look in John chapter 14, verse 16. And I will ask the Father, he'll give you another advocate, that's that word helper, to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. Now that word helper is the word that means to be called alongside of something. The Spirit is the called alongside one. Think about learning to ride a bike. Anybody remember when uh, you started the two-wheeler? I know we got these new bikes. They don't even use training wheels. Pretty cool. But, you know, most of us grew up with training wheels, right? And we're doing pretty good with the training wheels. I mean, it was a little back and forth, right? But then there was that moment of truth where we were going to get the wheels off, the training wheels off. And weren't you glad, I sure was, that my dad had his left hand on the handlebar and his right hand on the seat just in case. He was called alongside of me to make sure I stayed on the bike and didn't crash. And then as time went on, his hand went off the handlebar, and it was just the seat. And then as time went on, I was getting a little steadier. He was just like by the seat. And then there are times where he's just by me, and then, okay, he gets it. He's the called alongside one to help us. Think helper. Jesus said, it's better that I go better that I go because the spirit now is going to be with you all the time wherever you go whatever you're facing and the spirit is going to help you bottom line question is how why would I need why do you need why did God think we need a helper well first thing the helper is a teacher he's called the spirit of truth who's always leading and guiding us in the truth and what it looks like to live out the truth. That's why Paul's praying that his friends will not just know God's will, but have the wisdom and understanding through the Spirit to to do God's will. So he leads us in the truth. He helps us understand the truth and helps us have the understanding to know how that truth is supposed to be lived out in my life in this really hard situation. Right now, your spouse doesn't want to be married to you. The Spirit's going to guide you. What does God's truth look like at this point in time in your life? I don't know what to do with this decision. The Spirit helps us take the Word. The Spirit's always working with the Word. He's never going to lead us in a way that's contrary to the Word of God. The Word and the Spirit always working together. So He's our teacher. He helps us understand it. He gives us wisdom and understanding. And all I need to say is to the young people here, the older you get, the more you realize, oh, it's complicated. I mean, I was just laughing with my friend Scott. We were both in seminary together. We both did youth ministry together for a lot of years. And now we have kids that are kind of grown and growing. And we remembered with kind of a little bit of humor that when parents used to ask us about the complex issues of raising a teenager, we were dumb enough to think that we had all the answers. I mean, I was really good. I was super confident. I didn't have a teenager. 
And all I know is, man, as my kids get older, you know what? I need way more wisdom because things are complex. What's complex in your life right now? Well, the Spirit takes the truth of God's Word and He helps us to understand it and gives us the wisdom to live it out now in this really complicated situation. That's awesome. He's a teacher, the Spirit, this great helper, and we need instruction. We need to know what is true when our feelings are telling us a lot of things about what we think is true. They're shouting it. The Spirit always leads us in truth. He's a guide. He, he not only leads us in truth, but he guides us to the truth about what, where I'm at. So one of the things of the roles of the Spirit is he convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. He proves that we're wrong about it, that we're wrong about, well, I'm not that bad of a sinner. It's not that bad. I mean, a lot of people do a lot worse things. That he, he proves and convicts us about righteousness. Like, I'm, I'm not living like God wants me to, holy. I'm not doing that. He convicts us about judgment, thinking, well, it's not that big of a deal. God, God's probably going to give me a pass because he grades on a curve, doesn't he? That, that's one of the things he does. He guides us into truth and the truth of, of our own hearts and our needs. So what he does at that point is he keeps reminding me, I need Jesus. I need Jesus. He guides me to Christ. And he's the spotlight that's always on Christ. He is the one who's always bringing glory to Christ. We see this right here in John 16. When he comes, Jesus says, verse 8 and 14, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. Here it is. He will glorify me because it's from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. You ever wondering, ever around a group of people really into the spirit? Well, here, here's a really important thing to check out. So if they're really in, into the spirit, there should be a really big view of Jesus. There should be a lot of talk about Jesus because that's what the spirit is doing. It has the follow spot, if you will, the bright lights always on Jesus. And so he's always shining on Jesus to help us know that's our hope. That's our model. That is who we're living for, right? He guides us. He teaches us. He gives us life. He renews life. He's power. He's a power in our life. So let me ask you this. What in your life right now is dead? Is it your heart? Is it your marriage? Is it your relationship with your mom or dad? Your best friend? What, what's dead? The Spirit has been given to us to make things alive. He is the power that raised Christ from the dead. There isn't anything you are facing where the Spirit goes, oh, too bad. I just, you know, the wattage is a little low today. So many needs around the world. I can't help you. Check in next week. No, there, there isn't anything in our life right now that the Spirit can empower us to faith, to face. So Paul will say to his friends in Colossians, he's praying that they would be strengthened with all power according to God's glorious might, according to the Holy Spirit, God's glorious might, so they may be strengthened with all power and all endurance. You, you need power to forgive? That's the Spirit. You go, I don't have it. I don't want it. I, I get it. That's what the Spirit does. He gives us the desires and the strength to honor God, to live like God, to give like God, to love like Christ. 
So whatever it is, the spirit. And so God's never asked us to do something that he doesn't give us the resources to accomplish what he's called us to do. He's given us his spirit that made the world, that raised Christ from the dead. Are you kidding me? And we're chasing self-help stuff. Hello, church. The spirit of the living God. Hello, Mark. In us. It's the greatest force and power in this world the spirit and the spirit is ours through faith in Christ the spirit prays for us in weakness when we don't know how to pray the scripture says in Romans 8 that he prays with groanings taking the groanings of our own heart to God he's praying for us this spirit gifts us to remind us that we have a unique place in the body of Christ a unique purpose and your life matters and God when he sent his spirit into you brought with the spirit gifts The Spirit is a gift. There's the gift of the Spirit. Then there are the gifts of the Spirit. So somebody may have wisdom. Well, we need wisdom in the church. We need wisdom in our small group. Why? Because we need to know how to apply God's truth to everyday life. We need faith because there's so many hard things in life. And it's easy to have God diminish in our view. And the person with the gift of faith always has a seeing a big God, big God, the leader's best friend, the gift of faith. And some of us are teachers who can help people understand in very simple terms what is the truth of God's word so they can live the truth. We need encouragers with the gift of encouragement to strengthen us, not make us feel better, to strengthen our hand, to walk in faith when we're getting killed in life. We need these gifts. And God, through the Spirit, has given each one of us gifts. 1 Corinthians 12, 11. You have a gift if you place your faith in Christ. The Spirit brought gifts, at least one. You don't have all of them. We need each other. And these gifts are not trophies. Come here, come here, come here. Look at this. I got this gift. I got this gift. Isn't that cool? It's not that. They're tools. They build. What do they build? Each other. I need your gifts. You need my gifts. We need each other's gifts to grow to be more like Christ so that we can further the work of Christ. How does that happen? Through the Spirit. He gives these gifts. So he's our helper who gives us life, who renews life, who teaches, who guides, who keeps focusing us on Christ, who is our power, who is is the one who intercedes for us, who helps us serve effectively. This is God's spirit. Our helper is a your helper. So last question. What does it look like to believe practically every day, not just to say it here. I believe in the Holy Spirit. What what does it actually look like to believe what we believe about the Spirit, to make him our helper? What is it, in in the words of Galatians 5, what does it mean to walk with the Spirit, to keep in step with the Spirit? So when I was a kid, we did these um, church picnics. Anybody go to to church picnic growing up? Those are a blast. And what I always remembered about the church picnics were well, yeah, the softball games, I remember those. But the three-legged races, I love the three-legged races, right? So people would, they get their right leg and the person's left leg, and we'd tie together the two legs, and then we had a sprint, and the first one across line won. And remember, what, remember how it was that you're trying to do that and stay together, and people would fall, and it was hilarious. So when I think about keeping in step, I think about, all right, that's it, three-legged race, tying in to the spirit, not walking ahead of the Spirit, not lagging behind, but I'm in step. Not just walking along, I'm in step. How do you know? Because, I mean, it's the Spirit. 
So it's not like we go, well, I'm tied in. There it is. How do you know we're walking in the Spirit? So let, let me help objectify this from the Word of God. The first thing has to do with conscience. Someone who's walking with the Spirit has not a hard heart, right? That the Spirit gives us a new heart, a heart of flesh. It's soft. It's sensitive. So I know I'm in step with the Spirit because there are times in my life where I go, like a lot of times in my life, like a lot of times every day, where the Spirit's reminding me, that's not Jesus. What are you doing? That's not Jesus. You've just lost your way. You've fallen off the path. You need to get your life back on the center line of Christ and his word where you're receiving the blessings of God, not running away from them. So my, my conscience. And the Bible talks about this. When we kind of go, not a big deal, not a big deal, maybe tomorrow, call me next week, next month, next year. We keep doing that. The Bible says actually what happens is we sear our conscience. It's, it's like we take an iron to our hearts and go, I'm not gonna feel that anymore because there's no, there's no nerve endings alive anymore. We have a, a seared conscience. If we're in step with the Spirit, there's a sensitivity to the Spirit in my conscience. If I'm in step with the Spirit, ah, I'm in the Word. Now, here's, here's one of the dangers. There's a whole group of people who go, I don't need the Spirit. It kind of freaks me out when all these people talk about the Spirit. I just need the Bible. And there's a bunch of people who go, we don't need the Bible. We got the Spirit, and that's so cool. Anytime, anywhere, he's just leading me. It's like, no, it's the, the Spirit's always working through the Word. So we're not in step with the Spirit if we don't know his Word, if we're not in his Word, not alive to God's Word, wanting to live out God's Word, wanting to apply the principles of God's Word to the complexities of life. Am I in and alive to God's Word? There's a third thing. I know I'm in step with the Spirit if my life is being filled regularly every day by the Spirit so that there's more of Jesus flowing from me than there is Mark. So here's the wild thing. We're in this journey where God has saved us by his grace through faith in his Son, and he's saving us every day, making us more like Jesus. And so every day there's this fight Am I going to keep in step with the Spirit or am I going to keep in step with my Spirit, what I want to do? And what I know is when there's more of Mark in my day, that's not good. And there's less of the Spirit. And when there's more of the Spirit, more of Christ, you'll know it because the Bible says there's an overflow of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. It's not the fruits of the Spirit, it's the fruit. When the Spirit is in our life, then this tree starts growing and there's nine varieties and we don't just go, well, I'm good for like five out of nine. That's pretty good, right? No, it's like when we're full of the Spirit, we're growing in all these areas. And I know I'm not in step when I'm not loving, when there's less joy and more bitterness, when there's anxiety and fear, not peace, where I'm impatient, where I'm harsh, not kind, where I'm selfish and not good, where I'm unfaithful and inconsistent because of my own self-centeredness. There's harshness, not gentleness, and there's lack of control, not self-control. I know it. I know it. I know it. I'm not in step. And so God says to us, Here's a fresh start. You can't rewrite the past, but you can start today trusting that Jesus has dealt with the regrets of the past, and you can start writing a new story through my spirit. 
what's dead in your life, what needs power in your life, what are you looking to for hope, for belonging at a deep, intimate level, for purpose, for encouragement. It's in the gift of Christ's spirit, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Let's pray. Father God, we know so little of who you are. And we are so self-propelled as we do life. We, we want to be filled with your spirit. We need your spirit. We need, some of us need new life. We've had a heart of stone and we need you to give us a new heart. We the Spirit is giving us faith to believe. Grant new life. Renew our lives in you, in your Spirit. Lord, teach us and guide us. Thanks for praying for us. Thanks for empowering us to live like Jesus in this world. And may our lives in this church keep the lights hot on Jesus. Encourage us, Lord, that we have a purpose today in this place, in your work here, to move your purposes forward. Until you come or call us home, may we be filled and in step with your beautiful spirit, our great helper. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.